Welcome to If the Walls Could Talk in Buffalo podcast with Don Purdy, former member of the Buffalo Bills front office, 27 years, and Josh Cormier, a member of the coaching staff under the Wade Phillips regime. And we are here, as always, to talk with you about the Buffalo Bills of 1990 and, of course, 2022. Welcome to episode 15. Don, how you doing? I'm doing great, Josh. Yourself? I'm doing really well. Well, hey, uh, normally, obviously, we talk about the guest. Uh, we wait a little bit into the show, but we're going to get right to it today because uh, it, we, we talked about last week or last podcast uh, that, as you know, from working in a coaching staff, and I've, I've seen that it's all about film. That, that's how they easily spend a majority of their time, and uh, we have today... The man who I think was the longest-serving video director in like NFL history, and um, he's coming up. So, yeah, uh, Henry Cuntu. Uh, he said he did 41 years as the video director for the Bills. Obviously, he was there through the Super Bowl era uh, up until you know a few years ago. He started in the late 60s, which is pretty incredible. He talks about his journey from uh, film to video to computer and some of the uh, challenges along the way. So we're excited to bring that to you. That actually uh, kind of reminds me of, of a story that we talked about last time, Don. That I kind of previewed to you and, yeah, and you Henry was. Into in, it. You, yeah, Henry you, you was. After like, wait a minute, I want to hear more about. Yeah, this. Henry was involved in it, so I had been promoted, and um, basically nothing was said to me as to what I was going to do during practice every day. <laughs> so the first practice was like a early April, right after the draft. So the OTAs, so rookies are there. Yeah, rookie some, mini camp, sure. uh, some undrafted free agents. You know, I, I think maybe a couple of like second year, third year guys. Yeah, uh, kind of a glorified walkthrough. Uh, I don't even. I think they had like you know shells on, but no, not full pads certainly, and not full contact. It's a. It's important though because you're, you're getting. Uh, the team's getting a look at the, the rookies for the first time as as the, the potential someone who can make the team. Yeah, so this was one of the first times that uh, I, I realized that I was going to be given the rookie treatment, <laughs> which uh, ended up you know a few more stories down the road to tell there. So I, I walk out onto the field for the first time, and Chris Dixon who was the offensive quality control coach at the time. He'd been there for two years under Joe Pendry. He excitedly ran up to me and he goes, oh, you're going to be here for practice every day. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, Chris, I am. And he's like, do you have any assigned duties yet? And and, and uh, stupidly, I said, no, not until special teams, because where I'm going to run the scout team, but not until then. And I'm, I'm thinking to myself, you know, I'm just going to be able to kind of hang out here, watch practice. I mean, I'm on the NFL sideline for the first time. It, I'm excited. He goes, oh, great. He's like, you know, he's like, I need you to do this. And I'm like, okay. So he grabs this giant whiteboard, like a real large whiteboard, and he hands me a Sharpie or one of those, like, uh, you know, erasable things. Mm -hmm. And he's like, this is what you're going to do every day during practice. And I'm like, okay, I, you know, whatever. I didn't have anything. Who am I to say no? It's my first NFL practice. Mm -hmm. so, so long story short, what I was needed to do on every play, once we got to seven on seven, every play, Chris dictated the play to me from the play sheet. My job was to write that play down on the whiteboard. Now, I had to balance the whiteboard on my knee because it, was too, it wasn't like a small one. It was a large one. I had to balance the whiteboard on my knee with one hand and then write the play hurriedly with the other hand from his dictation. I then had to hold the whiteboard up in the air, 
turn to the offensive players, not the defensive players. I was not allowed to show the defensive players. And <laughs> turn to the to the offensive players who were all you know seven to ten yards behind the line of scrimmage. So you had to, you had to like visually determine what sight lines were. Correct. <laughs> I had to turn towards the offensive players and I would show the play. Then I had to turn back about ninety degrees and. Put the whiteboard up in the air so that the the eyes in the sky, the video department, Henry and his assistant Greg, could also take video of the whiteboard. This was before every play of every practice that season. So training camp, mini camp, you know, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday during the season. Turns out Joe Pendry, who was the offensive coordinator, he was unique in wanting this because then what the video guys did with that was that they would cut and paste that still shot into the role that they showed the players before every play. Now, it would have been much easier if you would have just given the players a damn play sheet so that and you would refer to play one, play two, play three, play four as we went forward. But Joe Pendry was old school and there was only one way to do it with a whiteboard. And now it's another one of those jobs. Like we've talked about Don, where I never liked being in the position where all you could do is screw it up. That's right. You know, like, like, like how you had to, you, when you were negotiating contracts, like if you, if the language was wrong or you talked to an agent, like if you did it right, nobody cared. It was assumed, and nobody gave you a pat on the back. Or being up in the in the coach's booth and taking the pictures. You, uh, the only standard, the only acceptable uh, way is is hundred percent, hundred percent perfection less is, is a failure. So, so I'm I'm on the hook here. If if I God forbid that I get you know the formation wrong, and, and I mean some of these plays, it was like the John Gruden, you know, you know Spider Two Y Banana X Peel, <laughs> blah 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 blah. Omaha, some, Omaha. Yeah, some of these things, some of these were like 13, 14 words long, and I had a finite amount of time a couple times i dropped the marker oh jesus you're holding up the entire practice this is the nfl kid come on yeah so then you know you're fumbling around you're trying to pick the marker up i I mean and literally everybody's watching me especially the guys up at the booth are like come on come on come on yeah you wait to turn so so and then they wouldn't they wouldn't start the play until the cameras had turned back so Literally, the entire practice, the timing of practice, hinged on me writing terminology on a too large whiteboard. But and Chris Dixon, of course, God love him, is standing right smart. next to me, enjoying this because he had done this for the last <laughs> right. last couple of years with his clipboard and looking all professional and reading me the play and really loving life and the fact that that was you know shit flows downhill, right? <laughs> Uh, and he was able to uh, capitalize. It was probably his second year, and uh, it was a veteran move by him already. Yeah, already. yeah. So that that Henry uh, Henry and I have, have a good laugh about that. Uh, you know, during the interview, and, and that certainly reminded me of it. Another thing, uh, Don. Today, uh, actually, this morning, the um, the Buffalo Bills. Uh, uh, showed a couple of, of the new stadium renderings, mm. uh, one outside picture and one inside picture, and that actually reminded me. And, and, and maybe we could have a conversation about you know 1998 and the right. last time that the stadium was a real issue and and the real fear. You know, both of, both you and I were there at the time. The real fear of the team moving back then. It was real. Yeah, 1998 was the last time where there was, there was the county lease that was coming due. Um, the term was was was. It was twenty five years. Twenty five years from okay, right. nineteen from when the stadium opened. Because oh, the stadium seventy three, right? The new stadium, and I, you know, I my my work ha- didn't have anything to do specifically like with that, but we were all very much affected. 
by the prospect of the team moving. I mean, there was rumors about uh, Toronto, Toronto, San Antonio, yeah, yeah, L.A. I don't know if the San was San Antonio maybe creeping in there. Yeah, because they had just built the Alamo Dome. Oh yeah, that's right, and they played a preseason game there too a few years later. But anyway, in in '98, uh, I mean, the the one thing everyone agreed upon was we needed fan support to to be evident that. They needed the team to, to stay, right? and it was it was a tough spot because you know the Super Bowl run had happened. Uh, the take you know they took a step back in '94, then '95 and '96 they were pretty good, but then you lose you know your Hall of Fame quarterback in '96. In '96, and you know even though it seemed like the team you know they still had Bruce Thurman and Andre, but it was it, it was, was the end of, of their career. It was the end of an era. Yeah, you had a quarterback um, in Todd Collins who you picked in the second round who flamed out and who was gone. So by '98, you know you signed. I think he was still nope. on the roster. No, not in '98. No, they signed Rob Johnson. Like part of a con- yeah, they signed Rob Johnson. But then they brought in Flutie, yep. and they had Alex Van Pelt. And Pelt came in for good call. Yeah, right, yeah. So right. Todd Collins, Todd Collins, they had moved on from. Yep. So there was no buzz at quarterback uh, that '98 season early. Wade, you know, Marv had just retired, so you lost yeah. Jim Kelly and Marv Levy in in two years. And I remember. It was an uphill. The whole thing was about the suites, and even more so than like butts in the seats, it was people in the suites. But they were asking all of us as an organization, "Hey, do your part when you're out at your kid's soccer game, or you're out on Friday night, or you talk, you're running to your neighbors. Tell them to buy a suite." And (laughs) (laughs) yeah, yeah, it was. It felt. It felt an impulse buy. I'll take two. It felt above the average fan. It it was almost. It was almost like a helpless feeling where you know I could buy a season ticket, but certainly we weren't going to buy a suite. And I remember they did that business backs the bills, and they were doing the whole thing in Rochester and in Toronto. Right. Remember they op- opened those offices? They had one in downtown oh, Toronto. Toronto. Office hired people. To that work guy, uh, that guy Doug. I don't remember his last name. Doug and Brett Gallagher were the guys. Yes, right. he ended up scoring me two great tickets to WrestleMania 18 in the <laughs> Sky Dome. So thank you to thank you to my friend Doug, whatever your last name was. Oh, we'll look it up. Uh, that was in 2001. That came in handy. Okay, anyway, version. Uh, we're gonna. I keep talking about this, but you have your sweet story. I have a sweet story. Um, the team also had um, uh, we had we had Sabres tickets as an organization. We were like a, just a, a customer, um, but we, we had a suite and then some some tickets that were really good tickets. But uh, I remember one time Tony Adio uh, came, the president's assistant, and um, you, they never went to me. You know, I was the president of the Bills, not like Bill Clinton. <laughs> no, no, right, yeah. So, um, although you might like the two of them about the same. Oh man, <laughs> dump button first one. After some discussion, we've decided to leave the podcast as it is. Moving on, Josh. My story uh, involves... I, I. So Tony said, hey, the people that were going to use the suite tonight backed out. They can't use it. Would you like suite tickets? I'm like, oh my gosh, that sounds great. She goes, I got I four games tonight. And I'm like, oh, wow, that'd be great. So I, I called Amy. She was working. And hey, imagine, let's go to a, the Sabres game, sit in a suite. Like, oh my gosh. So we even kind of put, put on nicer clothes and... Um, and had a great time, you know. You own food, you own bathroom, uh, you move around, you sit wherever you want. Uh, and it's just uh, such a great experience. So the the next year, I think my Claire was, I want to say Anna was. Uh, I could do the math, but let's say uh, ten and five or something like that. No, no, it would have been later, fourteen and and nine. Okay, so. The next year, uh, what was more readily available to staff were to purchase Sabres tickets um, at half price. Okay. 
you had to sign up. I remember there was one person, and if Bill's uh, personnel are listening, they'll remember that she got in trouble for signing up for like three quarters of the games mm. and whatever. But uh, anyway, I got four for one night, and this is the next year. Great seats. They're amazing. You know, center ice or whatever, 20 rows up on the aisle. And we're sitting there, and I'm, you know, I'm proud to have gotten these tickets for the family. And Claire, now a nine-year-old, was just kind of sitting there with this sour face on it. And I'm like, ah. Claire... Hey, you having fun? She's like, mm-hmm, yeah. And I said, what's up? She goes, where's our room? Yeah, yeah. You know, <laughs> like, sorry. that's a that's a that's a lesson, right? Uh, the first game being in a suite. Yeah, I set the bar pretty high for that. Yeah, one. that's but, that's uh, that's really funny. Anyway, that's my sweet story that always comes to mind. But um, so getting back to 1998, yeah, we we the team goes 0-3. Yep, you set the table for it. I, 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 no one expected to go on three. You want to, you know, at least be one and two, and then you're looking at a bye, and you had the undefeated 49ers coming in with Steve Young, and I think they still had Rice, and they were they were the Super Bowl team. Uh, things look look bad, and I remember, wow, the game was over, and I was still um, I was still doing had dual responsibilities, kind of moving into the front office, but still responsibilities with some of the merchandise before that turned over, working for Christy and, and she she Christy Wilson, Mr. Wilson's daughter, and we all just knew it. You didn't have to say he just you just blew a game that to put you at 0 and three and any chance of having ultimate fan support, which translated into selling the suites and the club suites needed to achieve Yeah, it was it was bigger than it was bigger than just that season. It was, it was literally the, 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 the fate of the franchise. Absolutely. There's no way starting off 0-3, it was already a tall order, but then starting off 0-3, how are you going to sell these club seats? And, and that was the deal. It was contingent on, on that staying. And uh, so she asked me to go to the locker room because she needed like Advil or something. And she said, whatever Bud is down there, he, he has it, Advil or Motrin or something. And we all had a massive headache. So I went down to the locker room, and I had never seen – I mean, I wasn't in the locker room after the Super Bowl losses. I was at the Super Bowls, but I, I didn't go to the locker room. I went to post-game parties, which were funerals. But I had never seen the locker room so glum uh, and would just the, 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 cast a pall over it. I remember walking out that day thinking – it's been a great ride for me. It's been a lot of fun, but reason, most reasonably, this is probably the last year when the season's over. Whatever has to happen, the move is going to happen, and and that, it, that that's how I felt as well. Uh, and there was there was there was like a like a palpable sense of doom mm-hmm. that it was literally going to be the last season of the Bills. And it's crazy to think what 25, 24 years later now, if they would have built a new stadium after nineteen ninety eight, we'd probably be looking at trying to build another stadium. Uh, yeah. Because a lot of those, like, t- Tennessee ju- built a stadium in 97, and, and if you think about it, there's no way that in 2022 that this area would support another stadium if they had just built one in, in, in 97. Right. So the way that they ended up doing that deal and the dugout suites and they literally dug out a piece of the lower bowl and put in all of those suites, it was genius. And at the time, it felt like kind of a Band-Aid, but boy – Setting it all the way through today, I feel like if they would have done it the other way and built a new stadium in 97, I feel like the 2022 Bills might be in trouble, you know, long term here, even with the fan support, whatever, because mm-hmm. there's no way you'd be able to get another new stadium out of Western New York, you know, 25 years after getting this first, because it was, it was, it's, I mean, obviously it was a, a huge hike to get this new one, right. but back then, 
thankfully it turned out the way it did, or else I think we'd be talking a different tune right now. Yeah, no, I remember my friend Karen Renzi from, she'd come from the ticket office where I worked with her in those years and moved up to, into the marketing department. And, you know, they incentivize those people financially to sell those suites. And so a month later, you know, we're selling Flutie Flakes. And uh, to, to give Rob Johnson credit, that 49er game that, that loomed back there against, we, I'm sure we were two touchdown fav, uh, underdog, but the 49ers ended up with like, so a, a team record or an NFL record, I have to look it up, like 21 penalties or something. Yeah. And yeah. Bruce Smith had an amazing game, and we won, and then Rob Johnson got hurt. And then, and, came yeah. And we know the rest yeah. of how that all played out. Yeah, right? you, it could be argued that Doug Flutie saved the franchise in Buffalo. Uh, it, it could be, and there, there's there's certainly people that, that don't like to look at it that way. Um, he was a beloved fan favorite, and you know he. But that one year, well, it's hard to argue in Bill's history well, that that wasn't the case. He, he he was a beloved fan favorite, and he was also an interesting man on the road. So okay. we, we will uh, <laughs> we will now uh, introduce Henry, and yes, we yes. Let's I, talk to Henry. You know. All right. Well, we are pleased to be joined by my old friend uh, Henry Kuntu long-serving video director for the Buffalo Bills. Uh, he had an amazing career. Um, the irony, Henry, is today we're moving into uh, kind of incrementally moving into uh, an upgraded system, and there's no better uh, guest than you uh, as as a video tech person at the Bills uh, to, to help. You, we probably will be asking for your help here at some point. Well, I don't do audio, so, you know, you're in, you're not in luck with me. Oh, <laughs> all right. You're also retired, so uh, anyway. Yeah. But uh, hey, how is retirement, by the way? Oh, it's great. You know, it uh, couldn't be better. I'm glad I'm uh, not dealing with the uh, all the uh, nonsense that goes on at the stadium. And, <laughs> uh, and I, you know, I did it for 41 years. That was enough. 41 years. Okay. You and I had this conversation when you were still there, and you were a good three quarters into that. Yeah. Um, I remember talking about how training camp was, let's call it a month long, right? So at that time, let's say at 30 years. No, actually, the first ones were seven weeks long. Seven wow. weeks. Okay, wow. Yeah. Right. Yeah, right. we went, We started in the beginning of July and went into the middle of August. Oh, my gosh. So we had we had figured, I mean, it, it, it ended up being years that you essentially cumulatively spent at, at, at training camp. Uh, and that's dedication right there. Well, I, I always felt that when we finally got to Fredonia, I should have had a master's degree for all the time that I spent there. <laughs> hey, we interviewed uh, Bud uh, a while ago, a few weeks ago, and uh, I never really went to Fredonia. That's actually how he got to start with the team. So you were like right there to witness all that. Yeah, well, he was the uh, he was the assistant trainer at, at Fredonia. Yeah, and, yeah, uh, yeah, and then he would help the Bills, and uh, I guess uh, they liked what they saw, so they'd hired him there. But he actually went to. Uh, he was with the Boston Bruins for a while too. I don't know right, if you right. talked about that. Yep. He he said that he's doing some great things today. So let's let's now go way back. Uh, I know you did a podcast, a uh, really good podcast, a couple of weeks ago. More on the technical side. Don't worry, we're not going to quiz you on that. We're uh, we, we I wouldn't we don't know we don't know on the technical side. But we have some want uh, want to get back to like basically how your career started, how you ended up at the Bills, and Josh has a, a fun follow up question for you here. Okay, well, I started. I, I was uh, I was hired as a video director, or actually an art director at a, a film company, and uh, they got the contract to do the bills. And uh, one day, the uh, guy that was supposed to shoot the video or the film actually uh, didn't show up. So I called the general manager, asked him what I should do, and he said, "Well, go shoot it." 
and uh, I shot it from there on for 41 you were years. to Lou Gehrig. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, what year was that, Henry? That was 69. Wow. Wow. So, so all the way You guys weren't born yet, were you? I was. Oh, you were. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I plead the fifth. I, I was not. <laughs> 70, 70, 75 here. So you, so then you, you were. Did you become the video director like right away? Well, it was, uh, it was kind of a part-time job. Uh, the, um, it was. Uh, I would, I would do, I, I would do whatever they needed uh, during the week, which was very little. I would shoot the games, and then it just kind of involved in being the film director. And uh, I tell you, I was thinking about it this morning. Um, one of the things I worked with uh, Marvin Bass was the, the guy that was in charge of the film because it was always a coach that was called a film coach. But, you know, coaches are unwilling to go out and run around and do stuff. So I used to go out and chase the REA trucks, which I, I know you don't know what REA is, but that was the uh, Railway Express that we used to ship films on. Oh and they would God. never stop at the at the Bills office downtown or uh, at the stadium. So uh, I would used to go and chase them around to find out where they, I'd call the local office, find out where the truck was, and then I'd go drive and, you know, bug the driver for the film. So uh, that's kind of how I got my start. And uh, I just kept doing that. And finally, uh, Lou Saban, I started with uh, John Roush as the head coach, and he quit at summer camp, as I remember it. And... Um, you know, Harvey Johnson became the coach for the rest of the season. And then they hired Lou Saban. And I, I worked with Lou Saban. Lou Saban actually kind of hired me as a, a subcontractor for the bill. That's funny. So you went through like the 70s and then into the 80s. When did it become like a, you know, 40 hour, 50, 60 hour a week, full time, you know, gig for you? Well, uh, I, uh, <laughs> I tell you, uh, even as a part uh, you know, as a subcontractor, uh, when Chuck Knox was here, he, he had a lot of demands on film. We started doing, he's the first one that came to the Bills to do uh, computer um, analysis of games. And uh, we started doing cutups for him with the film. So he was still in the film era. And uh, it became a full-time job with me when we uh, finally went to video. And don't ask me the year, I don't remember. Okay. <laughs> Fair enough. So, so looking through your bio and going through like the seventies and the eighties, I did happen to come upon the fact that you were the video director for the 1986 Japan bowl. Yeah, I was. Yes. Can you tell me anything about the Japan bowl? Well, it was, it was a great gig. I went there for a week to shoot a two hour game. I got, uh, I met a lot of the officials and I said, don't call any penalties. Let's make this quick. So we traveled around Japan for a week and, Visited a lot of the sites and the Shinto uh, shrines and whatever. And, uh, you know, they, we played the game. It was uh, uh, two hours and we were done. But it's interesting to go to Japan because the uh, whole mood is different there. They don't cheer during the middle of the game. They cheer only, uh, I mean, in the middle of the play. They cheer after the play is done. And uh, very formal when it comes to that. And then they're eating sushi and you know noodles <laughs> during the game rather than popcorn and hot dogs. How so so, so as as like the 80s rolled by and you know we get the, the, the team gets better did your job change did your job become more enjoyable more stressful like as the team started to get success like in the late 80s well i tell you it was always enjoyable i wouldn't have been there that long had it not been enjoyable every year was different for 41 years i have to say every year was different than it was enjoyable because you never knew it was coming the next year 
Uh, yeah, when we started getting successful, with success comes uh, a lot more work. Yes. So uh, um, that too, it became more expensive because Henry, my, as you recall, uh, as director of football administration, one of my responsibilities was to handle the payables for the football department. And I always liked how you would uh, walk the, the paper invoices from your office to mine. Um, you would stop and stay alone to some, you were very busy, but you know, you were keeping in touch with the rest of the building in our hallway. You would cop, stop in my office, drop off an invoice. We have a friendly conversation. I would look at the invoice and and you just smile because it was 10, 20, $50,000. You were about the only per person whose invoices uh, the team has to pay in installments. <laughs> Well, you know, the thing was, uh, video was expensive. Um, it, it, it's a different picture now. Uh, when we initially got into the video program, I don't remember what the initial, initial cost was, but we were very basic and uh, they wanted to do everything in a beta cam, uh, beta max format. And uh, the beta max format really didn't uh, work out for the coaches. So we had to start buying additional beta cam machines which were about $15,000 a piece. So each coach needed a Betacam machine and we initially had about five of them. So we had to go get about 10 more of them. So yeah, it was about $150,000, no. Oh yeah, and I remember sitting in budget meetings uh, for all the football departments, you know, with Jim Overdorf, with Jeff Lippman, and for other departments, Jeff would really kind of quiz them and uh, essentially asking them, do you really need this? And I can tell you, the amounts were a fraction of what yours were. You'd come in and say, we need this, 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 and be like, all right. Like, yeah. he, you had his total trust in, you know, if you he, you said the team needed it to, to stay competitive, uh, you know, I, I, he just went with it. Well, yeah, and uh, yeah, that was good at the time. The thing is, when we finally got into computer editing, uh, Bill Polian was there and didn't believe in computers. <laughs> so I had to kind of uh, <laughs> sell the... Uh, Super Bowl tickets to get additional computers. And Bill never knew I did that, but uh, as you know, wow. I bought one computer system and then I had to buy a second one. And uh, he, uh, you know, he said no. And uh, I kind of wangled it around and uh, got some Super Bowl tickets, which we all, you know, were privy to. And uh, I got another computer system for two uh, Super Bowl tickets. Did, did you ever feel like as the technology changed, did you ever feel like overwhelmed by that? Like yourself? Like, did it? No. And was there like an NFL training? Like, were you guys in collaboration with other video directors or was it kind of, you know, figure it all out on your own? Well, no, actually, uh, when we got into the Sony program, they had Sony training. So we were trained basically like technicians with the cameras and the equipment. So we were able to self-repair a lot of it. Um, it was interesting. I went, I, I worked for the, <laughs> for NFL films too, with, with the world league. And I, I shot some stuff with them and I went with a, uh, camera guy from Rochester who was a TV guy. And I started talking to him and he didn't know half the stuff I knew about the cameras and how they operated and what the problems were. So it was interesting. I thought we had a very extensive, uh, educational program through Sony and we did it for about three years so that we were very well versed with all the equipment. You, and then your staff grew. I remember, uh, like when you started off, you didn't have this. When I, when you retired, I, if I recall, you had a staff of maybe three or four. Yeah. In, in turn, uh, yeah. when you started, was it just you? Yeah, it was me. I was a one-armed uh, paper hanger. 
Take chasing the, the the train with the film on it. Yeah. yeah. Well, that and for a long time, uh, yeah, I, I finally got an assistant in my son, and I got him as an intern from uh, Canisius. Eric. So, yeah, Eric. Yeah. Who's still working in the league, right? Yeah, he's uh, with the Detroit Lions. That's right. Awesome. Yeah. Did you, did you, Henry? So when did they start filming, uh, doing film from both, you know, the sideline and the end zone? So uh, what happened like on game day when it was just you? Well, uh, well, we would buy the uh, film from the other team if we wanted the end zone. So, <laughs> wow. Okay. So, wow. How interesting. I, I guess I, I, I never knew that. What was like? What was it like for you on game day? Like, can, do you have any good memories, stories of of something crazy that would happen during a game? Were you ever bothered by fans? Or, yeah. Or the locations I, always good. I got a great story from the Jets. Our uh, video booth was. Uh, in the stands and there was always a guy that in the stands that uh, would wave his arms in front of my camera because he knew that it was, I was the visiting camera guy. <laughs> so, you know, I yelled at him in some, uh, you know, a few profane words. And he said, what did you say? Did you say that to me? He said, yeah, I'm coming up to see you. He said, at halftime, I'm going to beat the out of you. So I had a friend with me who was a cop from Amherst. So he, uh, <laughs> he reaches into his, uh, ankle holster and pulls out a 22 pistol and puts it on the counter. And he says, Henry, the gun's here if you need it. Wow. <laughs> so I immediately backed away and I didn't pay attention to the guy. I didn't do anything. I just said, oh, okay, this is uh, because I might've shot the guy, you know, if he came in there, but uh, that's my best story. <laughs> that's great. That's that's, did you feel, what was it different? filming a preseason game to a regular season game to a Super Bowl? Like, did the gravity of the game affect you in any way? Oh, well, the Super Bowls were always exciting. That, that was a very tense time, yes. Uh, preseason, eh, well, it, it's always tense when you're shooting because, you know, you got one shot at one play. You know, if you miss the play, you're done. So, um, you know, you had, you had to be on – you had to have your wits about you as you did it. But the interesting wow. thing is we had six preseason games when I started. Wow. Oof. Yeah. Oof. That's a lot of injuries right there. That's yeah. how I look at it. Josh yeah. was talking uh, the other day about how he, he worked his first uh, – he spent that one year working with the coaching staff under Wade and um, Max Bowman. I know you went through – you had so many coaching staffs. I have to trigger your memory here. But you, Josh was telling me – Henry, do you remember right? – do you remember uh, it was in 2000 – uh, and and I used to have to write the play on that giant whiteboard, yeah, and then raise it up to the camera for oh, every. You're every, that Josh, okay? I, know. That, that I and I know <laughs> how much you enjoyed that, and I know how much I enjoyed doing that. It was awful. It was a terrible <laughs> experience, and I would get yelled at if I didn't write the play down fast enough, and and you know hold it up to hold it up to the camera, and either you or Greg yeah. would have to catch it on every every practice or every play of every practice. Oh yeah. And, and I always thought to myself, I'm like, I was feeling pressure doing that, but it clearly wasn't anywhere near, you know, the, the responsibilities that you guys had. So, like, during a playoff game, during the Super Bowl, Norwood's right. kick, I mean, you're human. You're, you're, you're a part of the team. Like, did you ever react? Did you ever, like, did, did a play or, or, or your emotions ever get the better of you? Well, you couldn't, you couldn't do that. You know, you, you had to pay attention to it, and you, you couldn't get emotional about it. You couldn't be a fan. I had a guy that used to shoot the end zone for me uh, during the Chuck Knox era who was a fan, and he missed the start of every play because he was always cheering about something. Oh. So, uh, yeah, he worked That's for me cool. for about a year. 
yeah. I've, I've seen that. That's not a good a good mix. And it's funny how some people try to get themselves hired by saying they're a fan when when the team is thinking that's actually working against you. <laughs> well, it, it's it, I never hired a guy that was a fan. Right. That's you, right. You had to have your head on your shoulders when you did that stuff. So thinking about that same year with Josh, he was um, formally introduced uh, in our first episode. We talked about uh, being introduced and meeting uh, Carl Mock. Do you remember Carl Mock? Oh, sure. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's, uh, well, how, how can you forget him? Okay. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah that was, uh, I, I told a funny story about how I, was compared to being lower than whale shit, uh, <laughs> not 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 so uh, not so ceremoniously by Carl, and then he proceeded to not talk to me for the next four months when he passed me in the office every day, and yeah. it was just like you know it's a baptism by fire. But I, I I always enjoyed you know you and 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 when I was we were previewing you you guys coming on, like you guys had a really professional setup, you know even like when I was there, and I think you guys were transitioning over like to the Avid system, you know after I left. Like yeah. was there one was there one time or like one changeover in technology that was like the most difficult for, for you or in, in your in your staff in forty years? Well, for me the uh, well it, it, the uh, starting uh, doing the uh, computer stuff was a little challenging and getting in, and using the software with that because they changed the software so often. When we moved from the uh, old building to the new building. Uh, in that transition, we had wired the new building with fiber optics. We had $50,000 worth of fiber optics in there that we never used because they started using phone lines for uh, uh, for all the video. So, um, But when we moved in there, they started uh, manipulating the program. So Greg and I would have to go and restart all the computers every day, every morning, and sit in there for about 10 or 15 minutes while this thing booted up. I mean, they really... Uh, they really messed that up when they did it. I mean, the program's a lot better now, but it still has its hiccups. You know, they just don't do enough analysis with it as it goes on. But, yeah. you know, the thing is, I also wanted to talk about one thing, and this is something nobody knows. Uh, you know, we're in the, they're in the file system now, and that began in Las Vegas. Uh, we went to a um, sports uh, video show there, and there was a guy named John Barkley. I don't know if you ever remembered meeting John, but John came up. He okay. was uh, with Avid and Exo uh, Sports. Okay. And then a guy named Kenny Norris, who was the video director at UCLA. And we just, at that time, we decided that we needed to get a file structure for, uh, to get, you know, the exchange going. And um, we sat in a restaurant with two bottles of wine, a piece of paper and a pencil. And we figured out the file structure. John took it to uh, a guy named Jim McCain and we had it professionally written. And that is now the exchange format between all the uh, teams because some teams use DV Sport and the other ones use uh, Catapult. So it, what it does is it gives you the basic marks on the video and it would also give you basic uh, information like down and distance and completions and whatever. But wow. basically it's the marks on the video. So it really simplified the whole pro process and it's been being used by all football teams now all over the, you know, all over the nation. You're a pioneer, so over a couple of bottles of wine and uh, a napkin. Uh, That's the amazing part of the story. That's why I think it's cool, you know. But it nobody is. knows that. I, you know, I never talked about it. So, you know, I was just – I was the head, head of the technology department for the video director's committee. So, you know, I had the opportunity to travel around, and the team was very good. They paid for a lot of my travel around. Oh, I remember. They were <laughs> you know. So, well, you know, you saw the, you saw the airline bills, you know. 
I saw it all. Yeah, yeah. but uh, I no one, no one questioned. Actually, that, that's an amazing story. Thanks for sharing it with us. Speaking of which, Henry, and I'm not gonna ask for. I'm not asking for any kind of soundbite as if, you know, it would work out that way. But I remember a day where you came into my office again, just normal business. You were bringing off some invoices, but you seemed not seemed. You were noticeably irritated. You were just like, Ugh. and it was moments after news was released that the Patriots had been doing their, their spy gate deal. Oh yeah. Not, you'd say what you want about it, but I, what I really want to know is obviously the reason you were irritated is because your practices were, you know, clean as a whistle. And you were, I remember thinking, Holy cow, I'm, I'm catching him in a moment where that speaks a lot about the, you know, the integrity of the department and, and, right. fair practice and the like, well, but it also speaks to the integrity of the team as well. Right. Now, I would never do anything to besmirch the name of the team. And, you know, that really kind of puts a black eye on the team. And it did for a long time with the Patriots. Yep. But, you know, the thing is, Belichick did that in Cleveland as well, but nobody spoke about it there. Okay. Well, so you weren't surprised? Uh well, I was surprised, yes, but I was surprised that he did it in Cleveland because I talked to the uh, fellows that were in Cleveland when he was there, and they said, "Oh yeah, we did that all the time." Hmm. Wow, was there was there was was cheating or trying to get an advantage like in in, in kind of rampant around the NFL, or was that you know rare? Well, no, I think it was. Well, talk to Chuck Lesser about that. He was always good at that. <laughs> I, I, yes, yeah, I, I do remember. <laughs> that's, that's that's funny. Do you have any good um, like weather stories? I mean, obviously, you guys are like up on the the Scissor Jack in the yeah. summer, or like what 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 was worse, the cold or, or the heat? Or oh, oh, the cold was always the worst. Uh, we played one game at the stadium uh, where we went through all four seasons. You know, it started summertime, it got cloudy, it rained, it got cold, it snowed, it got foggy. I mean, it went through all, and at the end of the game, it was sunny again. So it was typical Buffalo weather. That, that was against the Jets. But the coldest game I played was with the Jets at uh, Shea Stadium. I mean, <laughs> we were shooting film, and I had batteries that I ran the camera with. And it was so cold that the I always had full, fully charged batteries, but... They would not run the camera other than 16 frames a second. 24 frames a second was the normal. 16 frames, when you look at it, it looks like Keystone Cops. So when I processed the film, it looked like Keystone Cops. It was, uh, you know, the coaches accepted it, but it was just funny to watch. Well, first of all, fog could not have been a friend of the video department. Well, no. Yeah. Secondly, in terms of the cold, I'm connecting some dots here. I wonder if this might be the case. Didn't OJ break the single season rushing mark for 2003 yards at Shea Stadium. Maybe that was the game. Cause if I recall seeing the videos, it was like really it looked really, really cold. I wonder if that was the yeah. game or no. No, no, it was after that. After that. Okay. After, yeah. 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 But you were there. I mean, you filmed it. Oh yeah. I, yeah. I was there. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I knew Joe OJ from uh, his second year here. Wow. Uh, started with John Roush. John Roush was going to make him a wide receiver. Oh wow! But his nickname was Knuckles, so I don't see how they could do that. <laughs> do you do you have a favorite game yourself, Henry? Like you know, or I guess favorite game, uh, a player you enjoyed the most over the years, and maybe a coach. 
Well, the favorite game was probably the uh, playoff game going to the Super Bowl for Super Bowl 25. Well, we talked about that one, yeah. Yeah, you know, when we beat the uh, Raiders, because the Raiders came in all cocky thinking that they were going to just run over us, and they were making phone calls in the tunnel, you know, to the hotels uh, and, mm -hmm. you know, in Tampa and, you know, making their arrangements. <laughs> I guess that didn't work out too yeah. well for them. Well, Josh, Josh, we had Pete Metzlars on our first episode and Josh said he was talking about how it was like a party for the second half. We were up 41 to three. Yeah. And he asked, you know, Pete, did you feel it down there? And we kind of expected Pete to give us a pat and player answer. Like, well, no, we still had a job to do. He's like, oh, no, we were like in party mode. We knew it was over. We just yeah. enjoyed the heck out of it. So. The, the other game that I enjoyed a lot was the comeback game against uh, the Oilers. Mm. Did you find yourself getting wrapped up in the emotion that day? Like, God, what a tough job you had Probably to just not. stand there and, and stoically film this while this chaos is going on around you. Well, no, at halftime, I was making arrangements to go to the Bahamas with my wife for a week. <laughs> I had to change those very quickly once the game started again. Yeah, that's what we were done. You know, it was one of those games where we played so poorly in the first half. I thought we were done. Yeah, it was just amazing to watch the second half, and it was amazing to watch the people trying to get back in the stadium, climbing over the fence, under the fence. They were doing whatever they could to, just to get back in. It's like Vic, Vic Carucci told us that he was head of the Buffalo News uh, uh, team that had tried to cover the whole league. Yeah, and follow a team. They had like five guys that were going to go around, and then he literally canceled those reservations at halftime, and then had to re <laughs> redo you know, re up them. Yeah, That's yeah. So you, you mentioned um, your son, Eric, and uh, he started off with you and he's still with the Lions. Um, there's another great story in your family that, that for me personally, I, I love. Uh, oh, you mean the Super Bowl kid in Kansas City? That's yeah. right. And so for, for Bills fans that are that are listening, uh, take your, your, your feelings for Kansas City, put them on the shelf and enjoy this story. Um, Mitch Reynolds actually interned for me and for Paul Lancaster just one of the best guys. I remember he was, he knew his term according to the team was limited. So he applied uh, to like all the teams and he got one taker and it was the chiefs and, and man, what a ride for him since, huh? Well, yeah, but not only that, he started off in the locker room. He was doing, you know, he was washing shorts and jocks and then he worked for me for a little while. And, uh, he uh, he was my uh, summer camp assistant for I think three years while he was at uh, uh, Cortland. And once he graduated from there, I asked him what he wanted to do. He said, "Well, I want to do what you want to do." I said, "No, you don't want to do what I want to do. You want to do what, the office in the, with the windows up front." I said, "You want to be one of the executives up there." So that's when he got hooked up with you and Paul Lancaster. Yeah, and uh, you guys were very kind to him. But he he is a hard worker. He is he's one of the best that I knew, and he knows more about football than a lot of the people at the league office. I have to say that right out. You know, I he, it. and he he is the trusted assistant to Andy Reid. Yeah. Uh, a few years ago, I started. Uh, I worked with a startup company that we have a product that we we're selling to NFL teams. We still are. Um, pivot since COVID. That's another story. But Mitch was one of the first teams I reached out to, and uh, I had I had limited I had a range of, of reactions to, to it. Mitch said, Don, give me, give me a day and I'll, I'll set up a meeting for you. Not sure. only did he set up a meeting for us, he set, set it up with four different uh, leaders, staff leaders, their player engagement director, their college scouting director, 
in a room in Kansas City. Uh, and the night before, he, he invited me to his and Diana's house. And and uh, we, we had dinner. And I mean, he rolled out the red carpet for me, got me an awesome meeting. It, it, it went well. But um, when he was there, you know, he got a call from Andy Reid. He needed to go, but he didn't need to be part of the meeting. But it, it just, I, I couldn't have been more impressed with how well-respected he was in, in that building. And yeah. I'm not surprised. He, uh, yeah, he puts his time in, but he's he's an honest, sincere guy. And he's not a, he, he doesn't fool around. He's uh, very uh, direct about what he does. Yeah. And he, I'm proud of him. You should be. And, and uh, he's got a Super Bowl ring. Yeah, well, that, um, that kind of upsets me. Yeah, I know. That's bittersweet. There was an article in the Buffalo News about the, the two of you, and that came well, out. I, I, you know, I said, I have four rings. He said, yeah, but I have the real one. Oh, ouch. <laughs> ouch. Yeah, he, he does. I yeah. talked to him, too, about that first Super Bowl, and he said between the AFC Championship and the Super Bowl, he got, like, two hours of sleep a night. Something like by the time he left Kansas City to go to wherever the Super Bowl was that first time, yeah, Miami. Play mode. He had like 150 messages. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and he had to return them all, and he did it. And uh, uh, But, yeah, you should be proud of him. So oh, he's, he's a legitimate guy. He really is. Yeah. As is Eric in uh, Detroit. I mean, Eric's yeah, yeah. a great guy, yeah, too. It's, do, you, uh, do, you, do, you watch, do you watch Do you watch? every game, Henry? No. No. I, I, watch, I watch very little uh, pro football. I, I'll watch the Chiefs a little bit and uh, Lions a little bit, but no, I don't. I've seen enough football. I don't. Uh, <laughs> You've seen enough football. That is football. The games, I get bored in the third quarter. You know, it's like if you're not a part of it, if you can't, you know, physically be a part of it, either shooting or some other way, it's boring for me. Literally, you know? to 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 the number of people that are walking this earth, is that more true for than you? that you've seen enough football. It was your job not to take your eye off a single play of practice of a preseason game. Over, that's, that's, yeah. Yeah. You it. It, 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 you know, don't miss anything. You know, that's, yeah. a, that's the deal, you know? Yeah. Well, a couple more things, Henry, back in the nineties, when I started, um, you know, we, we took some trips to our own, to Germany and, and London. Yeah. We were a small organization, uh, and uh, so I was talking about Amy working the press box. She got that job thanks to uh, your wife Debbie. So uh, tell tell us a little bit about her. She, her name has come up a few times in previous episodes. Uh, well, Debbie. Uh, well, I'll tell you the first thing. She probably doesn't like me to say this, but she was runner up to Miss New York State Absolutely. when she was 18 years old. Yeah. Well, Tom, Tom said she punted on second down when she married you, Henry. <laughs> <laughs> no, they they said that uh, I out punted my uh, uh, you know coverage with there her. I've go. been told that yeah. as well. Yeah. Yeah. Josh, you too, buddy. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I mean, she and then uh, well, she still owns a dance school in Lancaster, New York, and uh, she um, she was a hostess in the press box for a long time. She hired most of the people that worked in the press box as hostesses. And then she was asked by Mr. Wilson to be the hostess for the visiting owner. So she got to meet all of them. And uh, she had uh, she has <laughs> a few reflections on some of them, some good, some bad. But did you have a favorite? This needs to be another show. Yeah, did gotta, she, yeah down the road, we got to have you back to hear some of those stories. Did she have a favorite owner, visiting owner? Mm, uh, well, uh, the guy from Chicago used to sing her Broadway tunes. Oh, the, wow. All right. <laughs> and uh, story. I wonder you know, if, the, uh, the uh, Patriots owner loved her. He wanted to always see his Debbie. You know, oh, I wanted to punch oh. him in the head. 
<laughs> Good for you, Henry. I'll give you my Debbie. Yeah, you need you need that uh, that uh, guard you had in New York to give you the the piece. Oh of yeah, <laughs> yeah. He's Me since too. retired and moved to North Carolina, so he's worthless right now. Man, but, uh, yeah, no. She, I tell you, a great story though that she told me uh, when Al Davis was here for the last time. Uh, and he was in a wheelchair, you know, they, but he didn't want to be seen as a wheelchair because he didn't want to be seen as weak. So at halftime, he came to visit Mr. Wilson or actually Mr. Wilson came to visit him. So she said, I'm standing in the back of the booth and the lights are on in the stadium. You see the field striping and all you see are the silhouettes of Al Davis and Ralph talking to one another with the field behind them, between them. She oh, said it was wow. just, she wishes she had a camera for that picture. She said it was just such a great shot. She has a mental picture that you yeah. showed with us, but that would have been like a like a magazine cover. Oh, absolutely, yeah. yeah. I mean, it was just amazing. And then, you know, the, the eye cameras weren't uh, around at that time or she didn't have one or she didn't think about it, but she just said it was just such a moment to see because they were both in shadows, but you could tell who they were. To be a fly on the wall there, right? Yeah, yeah, wow. yeah. Right. yeah, that's great. We definitely have to have here's some more of those stories uh, down the road. But listen, Henry, uh, we're uh, I appreciate you joining us. We're we're transitioning, and you're the perfect guest. We're going to talk a little bit more about that here in the podcast. But uh, I've enjoyed this so much. Uh, like I said, I had Bud and Scott Burst told on, and um, I, I've learned things from them. And again, hear from you today that I even though all the years I've known you, I never knew. And I'm, I'm certain the listeners are going to be uh, uh, entertained and, you know, by that. Well, you know, the thing is that uh, in 41 years, you see a lot of things and a lot of things happen and a lot of things change. And, you know, I've thought about, uh, you know, writing a pamphlet about my experiences in 41 years and, you know, trying to detail all of it. So, yeah, it is interesting. Uh, it's interesting for people that are, uh, you know, involved in football and, you know, look at the bills as something that they're interested in. Sure. Um, you know, I don't Absolutely. know about the rest of the world, but that uh, that's my thought. <laughs> who, care, who cares about that? <laughs> <That's right. laughs> yeah. Thank you so much for your time, Henry. Yeah. Okay. Really hey, thanks for doing this. I appreciate thanks. it. Thanks for your flexibility and your stories. We'll talk to you down the road, Henry. Thanks. Okay. Take care, buddy. Bye. Uh, Henry, good stuff. Uh, it reminded me of a story when he was talking about his wife, Debbie. She would oversee the, the press box. And again, we, we got to know each other real well as a small small organization uh, with trips and the like. So Debbie got to know Amy a little bit. I think it was in Berlin in 1993. And she said, hey, you know, I oversee the press box. We have um, usually three ladies that uh, take care of statistics you know they didn't have the internet back then so at the end of every quarter statistics were printed and we deliver them at the quarter and the half and the end of the game and then for certain people uh higher executives uh we um serve you know drinks if they want on a pepsi or whatever so to john butler the president at the time or the gm at the time i should say so she said oh, like a hundred dollars a game but amy said sure it sounds like fun you know she she was just uh like open like that so the season started and i think it was 91 she might have done it for three years and it was one of the years and uh, she actually took care of, um, you know, John Butler with the drinks and the stats. And we were playing the Raiders, at, and and we had the lead. And I don't know if it was 92, 93. Um, and 
basically just had a drive to close out the game. And Thurman uncharacteristically fumbled. The Raiders recovered. They ran out the clock and beat us by three or four, whatever. A heartbreaker because we were jockeying for position with them, playoff position. And um, you know what a pressure cooker it is there. So Amy, the game's over. I come back. I'm, I'm bummed. And she says, oh, my gosh. Uh, and I always, uh, she didn't really have many stories. She had some about OJ. I shared one a few weeks ago. And she said, um, boy, there was such an argument. It was really awkward for me. And I said, oh, okay. And it piqued my interest. And she said, it was uh, at the end of the game, and I was taking the stats to John Butler, and I was just kind of like reaching to give the stats to him and to a couple guys that he was sitting with, and I maybe it was Dwight Adams or someone, uh, assistant GM. And she said, the man in the white suit and the entourage walked by right at that time, and the man in the white suit said something really nasty to Mr. Butler. Like, oh, can't win them all, you know, no, and call him a name. And just as I did that, John Butler turned around and tried to stand up. to, to He was going to get like in a fight with this man. And I said, the man in the white suit, what are you talking about? And finally it occurred to me, because she said, and he had an entourage around. Sure. It was Al Davis. That's great. So I'm like, oh, my gosh. And, and you, you did not want to mess with Mr. Butler. No. Like former Marine, Marine. Yes, like 6'4". Six, six oh, oh, yeah. Big Every guy. bit of it. Huge. Thick neck. Everything about him. And just had the temperament, too. And after a loss like that. Yeah, no, thank and you. And I'm like, I, I wanted to know more. I couldn't believe it. And she said, uh, I said, who else was around him? And I said, she goes, I can't remember. I don't know his name. And she said, this one guy. And, oh, yeah. I think his name was Doug. I'm like, Doug Majeski. I'm like, excellent. I said, so the next day, I could not wait to go in the office and find Doug Majeski and said, hey, Amy told me there was something, you know, happened after the game. He's like, oh, my gosh. And I thought he might downplay it. I didn't know. If anything, Amy was underplaying it or downplaying it. He goes, I I could not believe. And he described the whole thing to me like, Al Davis, you know, barked something at John and just the way she described. And she, he goes, I thought John was going to get up and kill him. He goes, I didn't know what to do if I should hold him back. Yeah, and, wow. And well, you know, wild. Al Davis was probably salty from, you know, getting his ass kicked here oh, in nineteen you know, like As like, Henry brought up, they were, 51 to 3 they game, were right? They were rivals by that point, even though they weren't in the same division. I mean, oh, yeah. you know, they had played a number of times. And ironically enough, you know, 93 season, they, the Bills knocked him out of the playoffs again. That's right. So, that's well, that's, right. A, that's a great story. Oh, my gosh. So, hey, 1990, Bills... Uh, Went to New England, right? And yeah, yeah, kind of a, business a workmanlike game, and, yes. and they they won twenty seven to ten. Uh, you know, I, I found a good quote here from Thurman Thomas, which kind of relates to you know the, the season before in eighty nine, and then obviously last year's team kind of learning the lessons of games like this because the Patriots were not good. So Thurman said, I, th- "I thought we could do anything we wanted against them, run all day against them." Or we could have passed all day. When you have a great quarterback, you can do that. I think we're getting that killer instinct. Last year, we came here and lost, and everything went downhill from us after that. As a team, we felt like this was a must-win. We couldn't let a 1-5 in team beat us. To be champions, you have to beat teams like New England. If we keep winning on the road, we'll be sitting pretty. I don't look at it like winning five in a row. I look at it as we're playing well every week. And I think thought that quote right there, you know, yeah. really kind of epitomized the 90 team and the, the spot they were in. They'd pulled out some, you know, close 
comeback early wins. Three like, in a row. Last one with Jamie Mueller, of course, yep, against yep, the Jets. Like the 2022 yeah. team and the Kansas City win and the Baltimore win. And now they start piling up you know, wins, beatdowns. Because yep. yep. obviously the, the only goal for the 1990 season and for this season is home field advantage number in the number seed. one seed. That's yep. all. Yep. The bye, home field advantage, that's all that matters. It has to be that. Yep. And, and it's interesting to hear like how they kind of turned the corner after uh, the, the early games in the season in 1990. And, and Thurman's referencing it. Jim's referencing it. Like the only point of the season, play well every week, no letdowns, don't lose to a crappy New England one in five team, right. and just 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 take care of business. And in the next few weeks, they just they roll. Yeah, and I think uh, you know this this twenty twenty two team is in the same spot. They know they kind of escaped Baltimore. They were very injured. I predicted them to lose that Baltimore game, which I'm getting flack from from friends. And, and the Kansas City game. Thanks, kid. Chris Bergstrom just texted me. He's like, and I said, no, I'm not going to, spoiler alert, I'm not going to predict them to lose this game. Um, but no, I had reasons. I, I was worried about those injuries with Baltimore and Kansas City. I just thought whoever had the ball last. But uh, it, it isn't like I went into the season thinking they'd be 3-3. Three and three. It was just very situational with the injuries and, and that. Uh, this is kind of where I expected the record to be, but they kind of had a tougher road getting there. And Josh, they are going to win by... Uh, Twelve points this this week. Twelve. Okay, 12, I'm gonna go. Yeah. I'm gonna go thirty-one seventeen. Okay. I, I do think that Aaron Rodgers probably will put a decent game together. Uh, yeah. They I don't have the talent the Bills have, and, and I actually saw a stat uh, yesterday that as of right now, if the gambling markets hold and, and the injury you know situation holds, they will be no less than a six-point favorite for every game for the rest of the season. The lowest, the lowest one for the rest of the season will be at Cincinnati. At Cincinnati, okay. and they'll be a six-point favorite in Cincinnati. Really? Yep. That could change. Cincinnati, I think, is kind of finding the sure, way too. Sure, but but you know what? Even if it changes, maybe they'll go down to like you know minus three. But yeah. they 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 will be favored in every game they play wow. for the rest. And even if they go back to Kansas City for the AC Championship game for some reason, they'll still be favored. Absolutely. So it's just incredible to think the ninety team. The ninety team was favored in every game all season after the Miami game week two. Mm-hmm. This team will be favored every game. All season. Those are more similarities. Again, there should be a podcast about that. Yeah, right? <laughs> now, uh, you know, for people who are new to our podcast, uh, we did run into some technical difficulties when we first started our podcast back uh, near Labor Day. And what we've been doing is kind of a tradition where Apple allowed us to add a country or two. Well, it was worse than that. Okay. They prevented us from getting on the Apple platform because by default they chose every country and they said you have to go and select the country so i wiped it clean and we started from scratch i started with the u.s and our canadian friends and from that point on we each chose a country uh to add at the end yeah we've had a little we've had a little bit of fun with this and you know learning something new about each country and and then sometimes learning you know don's uh opinions and perspectives of of said country somehow when i describe uh, the people of a certain country as freedom loving Uh, that's controversial when i don't maybe talk about the government's position all right don why don't you go first today All right. This is uh, we have not yet selected some uh, Puerto Rico. Our Puerto Rican friends. I want them to be able to hear this. Celinda uh, uh, Santiago Matthews is a, a nice lady in the office I used to work with. She has family there. Uh, what? And correct me if I'm wrong. Are they a separate country or U.S. territory? There's always been talk about making them a 51st state or something. I, I think they're a territory. Like, is Guam I, a territory? Is Puerto Guam Rico is a territory. Okay, Puerto Rico. I have to Puerto look. Rico is a territory because they they do they do vote in in the presidential election. Okay. They vote in the primary, but not in the they they do not have electoral vote. Okay, but they are they vote in the primary, so they're like Guam. They're, they're territories. I don't think Puerto Rico is its own separate country. All right. 
have to saloon about that. But either way, they should be able to hear if the walls can talk in Buffalo. Okay, it's on. It's on the list here. I know. So, so yes, you're so going to yes. you're going to include that. I will highlight that. All right, uh, Don. I'm going to go a little bit uh, further off the board, and I'm going to go with Kazakhstan. <laughs> The Kazakhstan, uh, right. as as my old friend Borat, uh, I, I love the old Borat movies. Uh, I was on YouTube the other day, kind of scrolling around, and I I found that hilarious clip where he went to some minor league baseball game mm. and was singing the Kazakhstan national anthem, which is just him, you know, basically just making noises with his mouth. Is that the country Tom Hanks was supposed to be from in that movie where he stuck at the airport for Oh, I believe so. Yes, yeah. Uh, the revolution yes. or Yep. Okay. So, Borat the the joke is that he just keeps singing and nobody will pull him away because they don't want to offend, you know, Kazakhstan. So, he ends up going for like 5 minutes at this minor league baseball game. It's hilarious. So, I pick Kazakhstan, Don picks Puerto Rico. That's right. And we're going to uh have an exciting announcement here at the end. Yeah, you teased it last week. I uh, let's see here. Uh, we we've been talking about it aid a lot, uh, and it has been uh, the past few days have been pretty crazy. Um, but uh, I, I think we're ready to do this. We're, we're uh, essentially uh, we are super excited. Uh, I could not have predicted this a couple of months ago. Can you imagine this? Josh? No. Uh, we are joining the Cover One Sports Network. Uh, they, we have been talks with them for quite a while. Uh, they are very well established. Uh, their number of followers and listeners, uh, dwarfs ours. Yeah. <laughs> and, and so we are privileged that they asked us to join. Uh, they really, they have other shows that concentrate on more you know, current issues in, in, with the bills and, and real, and real technical breakdowns of, of, of football. Yeah, absolutely. And we're likely to be talking about a, a pivotal play here in a game where, you know, Josh and I aren't going to spend the time to break it down. We're going to send you over there and you're going to love hearing that. But we, we have more story. It's, it's weird. The, the number of stories I, I feel like I have, Josh, you have a way of, of extracting things from me in, in a way where <laughs> you open up things to, yeah, I'm being, I'm being kind. But Thank you. Tell, <laughs> Thank tell you. stories that I wouldn't have otherwise shared, and they, the number of stories in, in my head in the pool just is instead of after using them, they're growing. Yeah, absolutely. And, I mean, uh, you 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 were in you were in the in the battles and in the wars, and I, I have you know a number of stories too from my time both in the merchandise department when you hired me, and and you know going through being on the sidelines of yeah. an NFL team. So you know if you've been listening to us before on SoundCloud, please you know join us here going forward, and you keep finding us in your feed. If you've been listening to us for the first time on the Cover One feed. We can't wait to share more of the stories with you. We'll uh, we'll see you guys next week with well. an exi- exciting new format. Remember when you were with the Beatles? Sure. Sure. That was awesome. Yeah, it was.